Thou still unravaged bride of quietness, Thou foster child of silence and slow time, Sylvan historian who canst thus express A flowery tale more sweetly than our rhyme, What leaf-fringed legend haunts about thy shape, Of deities or mortals, or of both? In Tempe or the dales of Arcady, What men or gods are these? What maidens loath? What mad pursuit? What struggles to escape? What pipes and trembles? What wild ecstasy? Heard melodies are sweet, but those unheard are sweeter. Therefore, ye soft pipes play on, not to the sensual ear, but more endeared, pipe to the spirit deities of no tone. Fair youth beneath the trees, thou cannot leave thy song, nor ever can those trees be bare. Bold lover, never, never canst thou kiss, the winning near the goal yet, do not grieve, she cannot fade. Thou, thou hast not thy bliss, forever wilt thou love, and she be fair. Ah, happy, happy bows, that cannot shed your leaves, nor ever bid the spring adieu, and happy melodies unwearied, forever piping songs forever new. More happy, happy love, more happy, happy love, forever warm and still be enjoyed, forever painting and forever young, all breathing human passions far above, the leaves a heart high sorrowful and cloyed, a burning forehead and a parching tongue. Who are these coming to the sacrifice? To what green altar or mysterious priest? Leads thou that heifer lowing at the skies, and all her silken flanks with garlands dressed? What little town by river or seashore, or mountain built with peaceful citadel, is emptied on this folk this pious morn? In little town thy streets forevermore will be silent and not a soul to tell why thou art desolate can ever return. O attic shape, fair attitude with breed of marble men and maidens overwrought, with forest branches and the trodden weed, thou silent form dost tease us out of thought as doth eternity called pastoral. When old age shall this generation waste, Thou shalt remain in the midst of the, of the other woe, then ours a friend to man to whom thou sayest, Beauty is truth, truth beauty, that is all ye, ye know on earth and all ye need to know. That is from Ode on a Grecian Urn uh, by John Keats, written many, many, many years ago, and I'll, I'll obviously have the, um, the text to the, uh, to the poem in the show notes. There's been a lot of unrest and there's been a lot of toil in our world. And, and I do mean world. Um, today's date is June 5th, 2020. And if in 10 years from now you're Googling this date, you'll probably see that there has been an anomaly um, in our world where all of a sudden it seems that in a series of nights, people are saying enough is enough. There's too much imbalance in our world. Um, and so they've been rising up. And there's been plenty of people, much smarter than I, who have been making commentary on 
the things that are happening in at this time, our zeitgeist. So I am not going to attempt to to add to it. Um, again, smarter minds have done that already for me. More than anything, um, not knowing where our world will be going in the next few weeks, whether the protest and, and, and the arguments and the back, backbiting and, and, and all the madness that's going on, if it will actually change and, and create reform or if it will lead us, you know, more into the black hole that we have created for ourselves. I am hopeful that reform can change. And I'm, I'm also hopeful that at times like this, we will look towards the beauty in nature, in ourselves, uh, in our the only place that we can call home, Earth, and that we'll take a pause and give more odes to the things that give us pleasure in life. Um, when I was a little kid, uh, somebody read me Ode to a Grecian Urn. I didn't understand it. I can't say that I truly understand it now, and I'm 40, but when I was a kid, I was completely lost. All I know that it was somebody who had taken a vase, uh, maybe at a museum, had taken a look at it, and decided to write some fancy words on it. And maybe that's exactly what it is. But this poem hasn't been around for as long as it's been around just because that's the only layer. There's, there's definitely more. And I'm not super studied in all this stuff. So I may come off as rudimentary when it comes to it. And that's okay. You can point it out. And by all means, if you know a lot more about the, this kind of stuff, the, this, this poetry, let me know. I'm, I'm willing to hear and understand. But one thing that I did understand as I was a kid is that contemplation was important in that I had the ability to contemplate. I may not be able to derive a poem such as this, but I was able to enter, internalize the feeling of being awed by beauty, by beauty in what others had created and by the beauty in my, in my world. My wife gets uh, mad at me sometimes because she tells me that uh, that I wander off sometimes. If we could be at a museum and, and it's supposed to be a family event, there's still the four of us, and all of a sudden, dad's gone because I've gone and wandered and, and to look at a painting, to look at a sculpture, to look at whatever. And I'm sitting there just looking up and contemplating and thinking on it. Again, I'm not trying to derive answers to the greater good. I'm just taking it in being engulfed by it, enjoying the contours if it's if it's uh, a sculpture or uh, understanding how hard perhaps the painter had to press on the paint to get that, you know, the, the, the Van Gogh is what I'm thinking of, of kind of get that relief off of the paint and, 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 and draw out in a third dimensional space what he was going on in his head. Or perhaps I am looking at a mural, and, and there's one especially here at the Getty, I'll put it again, not at the Getty, at the Norton Simon Museum, um, that I will put in the show notes uh, for you guys to look at. But it's this massive work. I mean, you're talking dozens and dozens of feet up in the air that just tells these wild tales. And, and every single time you look at it, and I've seen some of these things five to ten times, you know, because my guy want my kids to keep on seeing them and although they think now they're boring I hope that eventually it will kick in and they'll come to appreciate 
what it is that I enjoy about him. And so, but every time that I go and look, there's always a new detail. Or perhaps there's not a new detail, but I have changed in life. And so therefore, I interpret more into what it is that I'm seeing. And I get in trouble for that because I'm called absentee. And it's kind of half joking because, yes, of course, I should be there to, you know, to do pass on and to teach. But I am so raptured by what it is that I'm looking at that I just can't help myself and wander off. And it's not just when it comes to museums. But, you know, here in Southern California, we're lucky. We have a ton of them and there's so many places to go see and explore. And prior to us being quarantined and locked down as we are, museums were a constant uh, for our family. Uh, and if there was a new exhibition, we would be there. Uh, we have gone out of our ways to go you know, check out museums and whatnot. But it's not just those kinds of places. It's also hikes, at being at the beach. It doesn't matter. I've always had this ability for some silly reason to just try to really place myself in the place that I'm in. And that sounds weird, right? Well, if you're there, you're there. No, oftentimes we're not. A lot of times I could be at a place, and I've talked about this on the show before, that I could be at a place and I'm always thinking, some, well, not always, but I'm often thinking, how will this end? How will this moment of happiness end? And it's hard for me to really just find myself in a place and enjoy it for what it is, take it in. And so when those moments happen, they are magical. And it's, and it's what I've tried to explain to my wife is that I'm not trying to be uh, a lone wolf at all. It's just that for me, the rarity of finding peace, inner peace, at any given moment is not easy. And so when I find it, I take advantage of it. I was uh, on an ice uh, iceberg. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I was on a glacier many, many years ago. And for a second, as you know, my wife and the kids are trying to, you know, climb up the you know, the glacier to, to a safe spot, and I'm sure that they're situated. And then I walked off for on my own again and stood there in the middle of the ice just listening and watching and feeling the cold all around me, just becoming one with the glacier, thinking to myself, this thing has been around for hundreds of thousands of years if not longer and I am part of it now a kid like me a kid from East LA now happens to be on top of this thing or we were in um, St. George Utah um, among some sand dunes and I've talked about this before so I apologize if I'm being you know if I'm telling you old tales but I was in this valley and we had it to ourselves, this grand valley, you know, with walls all around us, just running around. And my children were, and they were little, little, but they were just jumping on the sand and rolling down the sand. And their laughter was just loud. But because of the way that the, the place is, is made up, the echoes kept on bouncing off the walls. So for, you know, my kids would laugh and their voices would float off from them 
reverberate off the valley walls and then come back to me. And I kept on hearing the echoes of my children playing in this wonderful place just about the time when the sun was going to settle. And I stood there for a second, immobilized, hearing their voices and thinking of the echoes. And not only that, but the fact that I'm pretty certain that thousands of years ago, there were children there that belonged to another people that somehow I'm connected to, and they were laughing too, and that somehow those echoes of my children and the echoes of those children then just were intermixing, and that we, we were part of this continuum that I'm hoping in a thousand years from now, there'll be another set of children in, in that play spot who will be mixing in with the laughter of mine. And thoughts like this just get to me. And so I stand there in awe and annoy my wife. But I think she understands. Because you're not with somebody for over 20 years and don't kind of get the fact that I am driven by that and I need that. And I think that's as I read more about this poem or, or, I, or I study it a little bit, I kind of get to see what John like I know what John meant in some ways but but again as I get older and I, and I understand more I also kind of wonder and as I create more I wonder if it's important for me to not get stuck in in, in going back to just certain sources for beauty you know, I think that the poem talks about how you could go back to this, you know, urn and look at it and wonder about who were the people, what were they doing. The lovers, of course, will in the urn want to kiss, but they may not have the ability to do so. So they're so close, but so far away and they're stuck in there for all eternity. They talk about the beauty of the of the trees, but these trees that will never lose their uh, leaves and for instance with us we just have this tree here in our backyard and one of the, my favorite things during the, the spring part of the year is to see the new leaves come out and during the winter time all the leaves fall and that there is beauties in those dims and dales of life and that in art sometimes you get stuck because it's there and it's forever and it is meant to inspire it is meant to give you know, to, to fuel your soul or, or, or your artistic nature, but at the end of the day, it's static, it's there, it's done for. And sometimes us as artists, you know, I'm bold enough to call myself one, as artists that we try to go to the same well for inspiration. And in doing so, we risk getting static, getting stuck, creating the same themes over and over again. Shoot, I just apologized a second ago because I had to, you know, maybe I've told you this story before. I don't know. I have. But that's because I'm drawing from the same well always, and that is my experiences. That's why when it comes to art and beauty, I do challenge myself. I don't understand it all. Uh, I don't get it all. And also, I try to read up on it as much there's some great series i put it in the show notes about you know art and understanding art and the history of art and and, and how it's flowed through time and, and how we ended up to a certain degree of what we're at then but 
as much as I try to study it and as much as I get the, uh, to some degree, some academic knowledge of how it is that we got here, um, I know that it's, unless you're going to get a degree in that, I, I'm probably not going to get it to the nth degree. But then again, I shouldn't, or you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't need to. It, the art should be about how, what it makes you feel, what it, what it pulls from you as a person. And that's why I challenge myself with things that sometimes I just don't get. That's one of the wonderful things about being here in Los Angeles is the fact that we do have so many places that to go to where you can get pushed around, for lack of a better term, where you can go out there and let your sensibilities be um, challenged. And it's one of the things that I have, one of the many things that I miss about this quarantine and lockdown is the fact that we haven't really had a chance to do so. A lot of our art, a lot of our beauty is coming in from the television screen and uh, I've always felt much better when it's tactile or it's within, where I, where it's not separated uh, from me, from, you know, through a screen where I actually have the opportunity to, to witness it and experience it myself. But, there's still my eyes and there's still a world and then there's beauty in so much of it. This morning, uh, it started to rain here in Southern California. It got misty and we've had some really hot days because we're getting into that, those summer months. But we, we still have on occasion June gloom. And then today, it's a perfect example of that. And it's not a very heavy rain. It's just this light mist. Um, and I woke up this morning nude as I, as I always am and... The rain, the, the mist was coming down and I had to let out my hens because that's one of our morning exercises here. And I walked out there and, you know, I have a big backyard, so I don't have to worry about putting anything on. And But I knew part of it is just that I wanted to feel the mist on my skin. It's been so hot lately and I've been sweaty so often that I wanted to feel the coolness, the dramatic coolness of that little bit of drizzle on my body and it was wonderful and I enjoyed it for all of the two minutes that it took to go out there and to perform my you know, my chores and then as I looked over to the side um, I mean the side I, I, I saw this uh, sunflower that grew out of nowhere we've never planted it we never put down seeds but I, my theory is that we have hens and they're they poo around the backyard and so Somehow this little seed found its way to the right place at the right time in that corner of the house. And it's growing wonderfully. It's this monster flower. And I knew I had to take a photograph of it. And so I ran in the house, put some pants on, and, and, and out there with a the camera. And I stood there for about two minutes trying to get the perfect shot of this, of this sunflower. And then after the photo was done being taken or I thought it was something that looked very pretty I just sat there and I looked at it and I know you're going to think this weird but I talked to it I called it pretty I called it a pretty flower and it's the same way that I called birds that fly around my house pretty birds and I talked to them and I asked them questions crazy maybe but it's my way of communing with, with nature. Because it's beautiful. And I'm part of it. And it's part of me. And I think that leads me to the very last few phrases of, of or 
words in this poem, which is, quote, a beauty is truth, truth beauty. That is all ye know on earth and all you need to know. End quote. We have been looking the last few days at some of the worst qualities of mankind. Some of our worst instincts, um, the way that we can push each other around in the name of law and order, the way that we can rob each other of our humanity just because we feel we're entitled to it as civilized folk. So we have to crush the other side to create this, to keep this ability. And I caught myself just scrolling through my Twitter feed and thinking, at one point, this is murder porn. Not my term, as I've heard it from others. Murder porn. I, I, keep, I, I'm, I'm, I keep on looking for what's the next worst thing that's going to come on the screen. What is the next worth scene that I can show my wife so she can shake her head and say, my God, it's going to hell in a handbasket. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? And trust me, it's important for us to know that there are bad people in the world and that they're doing some shitty things and that we need to speak up as righteous, for lack of a better term, and, and go out there and let them know that it's not okay. But in the process of doing that, we can't forget that there is beauty in the world. And that's the reason why we are fighting to, to spend the days in awe of it. In awe of what we can create, how we can engage each other. And also the wonderful, the wonders of our world that are innate. To just have us having the ability to experience a world like this. And so I have had to turn off my feeds to some degree. And I guess that's why I had to talk about beauty and encourage you to go out there and find it. It doesn't take a lot. If you're listening to this, I implore you to go out and find beauty and to share it. To balance your life with understanding the realities of where we're at, but also the realities of where we're at. And that is that we live in a beautiful world with wonderful people, with good hearts. Don't get stagnant in hate. Become active in love. It'll make all the difference. Peace.